Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 732 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live, special edition. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined today by J.D. Raider, Ben Funky Askren, and six-time World Olympic champion, Jordan Ernest Burroughs. And 732 is a New Jersey area code. Jordan, what's going on? We love using your middle name. I don't know if you love that. Know, but no it's... one even knew my middle name until I started wrestling internationally. UWW Fila, they put my government out there. Now everybody calls me Ernie. Big Ernie. Big Ernie. <laughs> I like it. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's it's cool when the you know the like the British broadcasters are saying it and they say your whole name. So, you, very dignified sounding. And Jordan, um, you 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 got you ignited a little bit of a contro not a controversy a conversation we'll call it. We love controversy. Talking about uh, participation trophies and. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you hit me up, said you let's let's talk about it a little bit. And I'm curious what um uh, before you kind of get into your perspective on what sort of sparked you um this this thought and you wanted to kind of put it out there. So it was wild. So there there, there were a few things that I was thinking about that kind of sparked this conversation because it was kind of two conversations intertwined into one. One was about like overbearing parents in the sports world, and then the second conversation was about this participation trophy. So essentially my parents just sold our childhood home. They've been living in the same place for 26, 27 years. So I'm helping them pack. I'm going through the garage, through the shed in the backyard, going through the attic. And I found a box of all of my trophies that I had won as a youth wrestler, particularly this first trophy that I had ever won, which was a participation trophy. And I just started to think about the stories. I talked a little bit about my dad with it and kind of the dynamics of how I won it, what the day was like. And we just kind of recounted that day. And then clearly looking at the body of work that I've been able to put in afterwards, we're like, man, participation trophies got me hooked into this sport. But I know that there's kind of been a change of perspective from the current climate that people are like, these are no good. These are creating a bunch of greedy, you know, no good, lack of hard work, work ethic individuals. So, you know, for me, I just thought about it from my perspective. I'm like, this was a good thing. Participation trophies are good. I think they should be given to youth wrestlers, and I think it sparks more than it detracts. Yeah, and I guess there's the the detract the detractors would say, listen, you're you're rewarding losing. You're rewarding not succeeding. It's not, not true, but like, I don't get it. So that here's here's where where I have my gripe with it is, you know, in America, we have like this war perspective. If you don't win first, if you're not first, you're last, right? Shake and bake, Ricky Bobby. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that makes no sense. No competition that I went into, did I ever prepare less or work less hard in the competition itself, regardless of what place that I finish. You know, so when I went into Rio or when I went into London, the preparation was the same. The weight cut was the same. You know, the expectations and the pressure was the same. And I wrestled as hard as I could on that particular day one day I got beat, another day I didn't. I have perspective. I'm an adult. I'm a man. But I think as a child trying to prepare, really, you want to start to build upon principles. That's work ethic. That's effort. That's attitude. And that's courage, bravery, the willingness to go out there. How many kids stand on the sidelines for a long period of time just because they're scared to compete? You know, I think that this is something that we need to kind of dial into and kind of get to the core of why we feel that we need to teach these hard life lessons to five and six year olds. And everyone's like, Hey, listen, you need to understand this as a young man. I'm like, why, why does a kid need to know 
about how difficult life is going to be at some particular point. But more so, I think you just need to start to establish a love, a genuine love for the sport more than you need to teach a life lesson that quickly. Um, so I, I think I have a unique perspective on this. I've been doing this youth wrestling thing for a, a decade yeah. now. Um, and actually, so initially our five through nine year old class, we said no competing. We don't want them competing at all. And we've pushed back on that a little bit where we want our eight, nine year olds competing five through seven still don't. But recently I've broken up. We have a five year old class. We have a six and seven year old class. We have an eight, nine year old class and then 10, 10 and up. Um, and just the differences you see, even the difference between the five-year-olds and six and seven are, are so vast. And now my daughter is, she's getting very close to nine and I can actually start having reasonably mature discussions with her about work ethic and toughness and et cetera. But yeah, to, to your point, Jordan, five through seven, it ain't really even worth having those discussions. And so, you know, I think it is all about for them having fun, giving them a little reward. We're doing a pizza party on Sunday for the, for the end of the session. Uh, they're so freaking pumped about it. Um, and I think where people push back and maybe it is unfairly. And I, you know, I think I, I actually took a screenshot of the one of your tweets you said about, uh, parents. I want to, I want to talk about that also, but obviously once they get to that, you know, 12, 13, 14 and up age where we can have mature discussions on, you know, are you putting the right amount of work ethic in? Like, are you getting what you deserve type of stuff? Um, then I think that's maybe where people push back on participation trophies. If they do it before that, I would just say like, yeah, they're, they just, they don't get it. Yeah. I definitely think there's an age range where you start to understand like, okay, this is probably a period of time where we've got to recognize things are going to start to get a little bit serious and we're going to have to kind of change the viewpoint of each of these individuals. Like we've instilled all these principles in you now it truly is about the spirit of competition. Understand there's going to be a loser and a winner. But I never really settled at the participation trophy because it was always the smallest. And it was like the <laughs> least significant rinky-dink piece of plastic where I would always prefer to go home with the biggest trophy. So every time my dad showed me the trophy room, of course, the first place trophy was the tallest. The participation trophy was the smallest and the least cool looking. So no one really wanted that trophy. But I tell you what, after a long day, and after maybe a poor performance, it was nice to know that you were going home with something. Not that you would feel equivalent to the guy that went home with the first place trophy, but at least you'd have something to show off. Because really, that was all it was about. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, I got celebrated. I got rewarded. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of a... No, no, so I, so I agree. And actually, just to go, go on that point, I had a, a pair with a five and seven-year-old just last week. And, that, and, then, and then that and then your conversation you brought up made me talk to Max about something. So they said something like, well, uh, their names are Sam and Ben. Sam and Ben have been coming to practice a whole bunch. And they, they're like, when do we just stop coming to practice? When do we get to wrestle somebody? And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like we don't really do that till age eight because there's ne there, there are negative consequences. They go to a tournament, they get smashed. Lots of kids are like, yeah, this ain't for me. So yeah. Max and I said like, hey, what if we do all, all we, have, so we have five academies, all of our five and seven-year-olds together, all of them get a participation trophy, you know, give them two matches, send them with a slice of pizza. They're, they're super happy. And now they're not bored with the same old practice. So, I mean, that's made us think about what we can do to make our five and seven-year-olds, five through seven-year-olds experience better and because they don't want to just go to practice. I, I guess they're kind of bored by it. And I've seen that in other kids also. Well, you, you want something tangible. Here, here's the thing. Like when you're five to seven years old, coming in and just playing games and letting them scrap is plenty good for those guys. Yeah. Right. So a lot of what we do is just developing skills in terms of athleticism, 
understanding spatial awareness, how to move your body. Competition will come at a later date, but all these kids are competitive, at least most of them. You know, and so I think about it like this. I was hooked because I got an opportunity to win something on my very first try. I didn't earn it, but I had practiced for weeks leading up to this event. So imagine if you're a kid, you go to wrestling, practice twice a week, a couple hours each day. You do this for a series of weeks or months, then you go to your first competition and you get your butt kicked. And then you go to a next competition the following weekend and you get your butt kicked. And so now you have these series of events where you can't win, but you're putting the same amount of effort every single week going to your practices, putting the work, putting on your wrestling shoes, getting beat up in practice, but also trying to develop. Like what would convince you to stay outside of some sort of token of gratitude or appreciation? Like, hey, listen, we see you. We understand that you're putting the effort in. Otherwise, you're like, you suck, kid. This sport ain't, you're not cut out for this sport. Move on. A lot, of, think, listen, a lot of coaches think that. That is literally the opinion of a lot of coaches. Just FYI. Yeah. But, the, but they're, they're warping the perspective, bro, because they're like, you need to learn these hard lessons at a young age. But when you get to an older age, they're like, okay, well, you have to just kind of naturally be okay with losing. So it's like, we're, we're not really teaching people how to how to operate from a, a mental space perspective and, and like being mentally healthy. It's, it's, it's a really well, weird Well, I, I would actually say a lot of coaches it want, maybe not want is not the right word, but they have an expectation that a high percentage of the kids are going to quit. And when we, we, we you know, I brought this up a handful of years ago, but wrestling's USA wrestling's participation rate year over year is, is uh, our sorry, retention rate is 60%, meaning hundred kids start this year. Only 60 of those will be the next year. Only 36 of those will be the year after that. And that's, that's really terrible. And, you know, when I hear. You'll keep more. Of them, I guarantee it. I said, if you well, gave so out trophies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way we think about it too is hard. There's no doubt about that. But it's like you throw the, and this is how a lot of coaches think about it. Unfortunately, you throw the frog into a boiling pot of water. The frog jumps out. You throw the frog into a pot of water and it warms up slowly. All of a sudden they're getting boiled and they don't even know it. They, you know? So that's kind of well, how we think deal. about and it. Like, if, if we think about it, wrestling is not fun. Like mm-hmm. wrestling is not a fun sport unless you learn to love it. So I, I, I was with my, my son Beacon the other day and I'm watching wrestling practice. And, and here's what kind of sparked this conversation for me is I took Beacon to two. So he went to three practices three days in a row. So Monday he went to wrestling practice. Tuesday, my buddy Vince Jones started a youth wrestling club back in South Jersey. So we went to support him. So we went to two wrestling practices in a row. And then on Wednesday, we took him to gymnastics practice. So anyway, on Thursday, his teacher sends us an email and says, hey, Beacons just doesn't seem very happy today. He just seems a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, He's very eyed and he's having a rough day. And so I'm like, okay, I, I wonder what's going on. So I go and pick him up from school about an hour early, just kind of take him to a coffee shop, sit down and talk with him. And he's like, dad, I'm just, I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed. Um, you know, yesterday was a long day. I uh, went straight from school to your wrestling practice to watch you train. And then you took me to wrestling practice. And it was just a whole lot going on. Right. And so from that perspective, I'm thinking like, damn, never in this period of time where I'm trying to build and develop him and put him in position to be successful, that I think that this might be too much because it's not strenuous. It just takes a lot of time. Right. And so it's the consistency of the effort that is difficult for him. And so when I'm watching him train, I'm watching practice. No one wants to drill significantly. Guys don't want to go out there and learn all these movements. What they prefer to do, or at least from my estimation, is they want to play games. 
They want to do cartwheels. They want to do bear crawls. They want to. Well, what you age know, are we talking? Specifically? I'm, my son's speaking seven, right? He's okay. seven and he's only, he's wrestled for a year, right? So he's still yeah. kind of a novice in terms of his growth and development in this sport, but I love it. So I'm trying to keep him engaged and I'm trying to balance this factor of being dad and allowing him to express his emotion and keeping him earnest, but also making sure that he's getting what I think he needs to become a better athlete, a better young man. So it's, it's really tricky sometimes. And that's kind of what spurred this dad conversation for me. I'm like, man, I'm so glad that my son had the courage and the confidence to come up to me and tell me that he was having a rough day or else this is going to be a continuous thing where I'm like, hey, I'm taking you to practice because this is going to develop you. And at some point, you're going to be able to be great at this and learn a lot of stuff. So I don't know. It was just a, it was just a, a unique week. Oh. Finding the participation trophy and having Beacon be overwhelmed all in the same week, it kind of got me thinking about my own life, my development, how I grew up, how much I trained. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a good time of reflection. I think one so of the, the fallacies with with the fan with the people that are like, man, participation trophies are bad because of X, Y, and Z. And one of the things they're thinking is like, well, these guys are going to think with poor performance, potentially poor effort, that they're getting rewarded. But I, I think for for most kids, that they know they didn't win, right? I think most kids know. Hey, I'm not, I'm not getting this because I was the best. They understand they didn't win the match. They understand they didn't win the game. I remember, <laughs> I remember my little league team. We won the we won the whole championship, the Churchville Reds, and I was definitely the worst player on the team by far, <laughs> far none. I remember getting the trophy for winning. I didn't get any hits, nothing. The whole run, I got the trophy. I was like, ah, oh, okay. I mean, this doesn't mean anything. I didn't really contribute. How old, how old this um, I was. Uh, Eight or nine, I, was, I would say. I was sixteen, actually. <laughs> no, uh, I was just kidding. Seventeen. Yo, I, I, I was. They still let me play in the little league. Honestly, though, like for me, the trophy gave me identity. I was the youngest of four in my family, so I was the runt. My first weight class is forty-five pounds. So when I came home with something that no, none of my other siblings had possessed or had ever done before, like, that made me feel good, bro. Yeah. I felt like a boss in my family at that point because I got celebrated, like people would start coming to my matches to see me perform and my trophies kind of became a part of who I was. When I would win a trophy, my mom and dad would present it. We would go to wrestling practice every Monday and our coaches would present it in front of the rest of the team. So I'm like, I became that guy. I'm like, I'm officially a wrestler now. Just training doesn't really make you a wrestler. When you actually earn and, and win, so it's like being an intern as opposed to being a paid employee. When you're an intern, you're like, I kind of work here, but I'm not bought into the philosophy and the mission of pushing this company forward. But when you're starting to get paid, which winning a trophy was the payday, like that was gave me a completely different perspective. And so when that got ingrained in me, I was like, I'm a wrestler now. This is awesome. People love to come and watch me compete to see what I can bring home. It's a really cool experience. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and the reason I love sports or love the idea of sports for kids is that they're this like, really cool proxy for life and that, you know, the, the correlation of hard work and, and getting achievement. And especially as you get older, sort of using the sport to instill the, the life lessons is, is a really, really important thing. And I think that's where the participate participation trophy can seemingly fly in the face of that. But I think everything comes down to the, there should be the accompanying coaching and conversation from the parents and the adults and the kids' lives about like, hey, okay, here's what this means and, and really putting it in perspective. Like 
when the kid gets a trophy, if you gas him up and the kid did really bad and you tell him he wasn't trying and didn't do great and you tell him he did awesome, then I think you can like instill the wrong things. But if you say, hey, it's great that you did this and there's, you can always find good in what the kid did and you gas that thing up and then you got to give the other side of it too. It's like, and to improve X, Y, and Z. It's like, hey, maybe we need to come to practice more consistently. Maybe you got to pay a little more attention when the coach is showing the moves because you got pinned in this move or whatever. And I think if that goes along with the participation trophy, then they can they can be a great thing. Because Caleb, we entered him in his first competition uh, a month or so ago, and I did the classic dad move of double entering him into the rookie and the, and the open division because I didn't know how he'd do. So he got second in the rookie, and he went over in the novice one. But because he finished top six or eight, even though he didn't win a match, he got a he got a thing for both of them. And he thought he did think that was really uh, a cool well, thing. He was probably walking around both of those trophies on his shoulder, feeling like oh, a yeah. boss. He had, he had the medals. It looked like it's it looked like feeling. yeah, yeah. You know, I I started to think about all of the things in regards to today's society and sports that could be considered like participation trophies. Like think of how many people cling to the title of round of 12, mm-hmm. essentially a participation trophy. Think how many people cling to being an NCAA qualifier, being a world team member with no medal, you know, being in the final four of the NCAA championships in basketball. Like there's so many things that we cling to that there's this title associated with what you know took a ton of effort and preparation to get to this level. Even though you weren't the champion, all of these things are considered, in my estimation, participation trophies. So I think, yes, you want some sort of recognition, even as an adult. Like, there's so many times where you're like, hey, just, it doesn't take much, but I just want to be recognized. I want people to understand the level of effort that I put in to get to this point and this achievement. And I think it's, uh, it's something unique, but I think, it's something that kids need to be taught. We need to celebrate their their effort, celebrate their bravery and courage, but also keep them hungry. Like, hey, listen, this is what we achieved today. Now let's see how much better we can get. Let's see if we can go even further as we move forward. That's all I'm talking about. What are your thoughts um, on competition for um, for for Beacon and for for youth wrestlers? Ben has like a pretty um, specific. Yeah, yeah. About I, I think me and Ben kind of share some of the similar sentiments, um, which, you know, for once I agree with Ben, but <laughs> I think, uh, I think you know, I'm in a unique position because Beacon is going to have a ton of pressure on him in anything that he does, particularly in wrestling. Every tournament that we go to, he is going to have such a significant mm-hmm. amount of expectation from the world where they're like, yo, this is JB's boy. So every dad of every wrestler that he wrestles is going to be essentially believe that he's wrestling me. If my boy beats your boy, then I beat you. Right. And so I'm like, I'm trying to protect him from all this pressure that he's going to undoubtedly feel if he pursues a career in wrestling. But I also understand that this is a good thing, right? Pressure is privilege and this expectation can elevate him to a higher level where he understands dynamics that no other kid is getting at that particular age. So I want to keep him out of competition for a period of time where I can protect his mind. The one thing I don't want him to do is go out there and get hammered and then lose love for the sport. Second thing, I don't want him to go out there and feel pressure and feel the need to live up to the expectations set by the world and that he needs to prove something to me because I love him regardless. And then third, I think I just want him to develop a genuine love for the sport. He's still a baby. He loves the sport because I do it and he's been around it so much. 
But I also know that when he gets serious about it, when he asks me like, hey, dad, I'm really ready and willing to compete, you know, then we'll start to kind of operate from a different perspective. I told him to write down his goals this year. And one of his goals was to wrestle in a tournament and to win a trophy. Um, and so like, as I kind of thought about it, I'm like, man, I don't think he's ready for this yet. At some point he will be, but I, I'm in this position where, you know, I want to delay competition because I want him to just appreciate the workload. Like I want to under, him to understand this is how we work. This is how we be consistent. This is how we do like the monotonous, minute details and perfect them. And this is how we become hey. a leader in the process. Can, can I can I cut you off there? Because Christian, this is exactly what I was talking about. Like, remember three to four weeks ago, I had this conversation about parents just like Jordan. So Jordan, here was the argument I made to um, Christian the other week. Uh, all those things you said were literally just like the perfect what you want a parent to say to their athlete. And so I said, I said, you know, some kids start wrestling really early. And because their parent talks to them like you just taught, like you were saying you're talking to your kids, so I'm going to assume you're not lying to us, which I don't think you are. Um, their kid, It's going to help their kid be successful, right? And so whether your kid starts at 7 and the parent's talking to them that way, they're probably going to be successful. Or whether the kid starts at 11 and the parent talks to them that way, they're going to be successful, right? If the parent is both preaching and living – work ethic, perseverance, these things that are really important for wrestling, it's going to help help make them successful. So lots of times I feel like there is uh, a correlation between really early success and later success. But when you look at it from the perspective of what is the parent preaching, they the kid probably would have been successful if they started at 8 or 10 or 11 or 12 anyways. How do you feel about that? For sure. I, you know, I agree. I, I think – by that time, when you reach an 11, 12-year-old span, like I had a pretty good understanding of my body. I had a bunch of grit, grit and toughness and competitiveness. So I think, yes, I would have been better. Plus, you know, when you're young, you're at the expense of whatever resources are in your area, right? You're lucky. Every kid that grows up in Wisconsin has the ability to go to AWA. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Someone that grows up in Southern Alabama doesn't have a great wrestling club great resources, great training partners, coaches in their geographical geographic location. So now they're at the expense of whatever they can find on YouTube or on Flow Pro, and that can be difficult. That can kind of hinder their development. But I think that if you get put into a proper situation in which you have good resources or you're established with principles, I grew up in South Jersey where I was only the second state champ in my school's history. There hasn't been a state champ since. We didn't have a ton of tradition. Not a ton of lineage there. No one in my family ever wrestled. My parents didn't even play organized sports. My dad knew nothing about the sport, which I think for me, that helped me because there was never like this excessive amount of pressure that he put on. Basically, he's like, hey, listen, JB, work hard, wrestle hard. And if you lose, don't cry, which I did every time. Every time I lost when I was a kid, I cried. But I think I agree with you. No matter what age you start the sport, if you base it on principles, character and integrity, like it's going to change the game because you have a shift now. What I'm seeing is the guys that have the most sustainable success in this sport are the guys that have character, accountability, and able to push themselves when their dads aren't watching. Like I want my boy Beacon and Banner and my girls that they do decide to wrestle to understand that, hey, listen, when dad steps away, I need you to be coachable. I need you to stay focused and be disciplined and that starts with developing love and then also just teaching them, teaching them how to operate with integrity. 
All right, CP, you cut me off twice now, so I got, I got to get one, <laughs> I I got one last question. Don't one last me. question to bait in. Um, so Jordan said via Twitter, he said, Day out, I'm sorry you didn't achieve your athletic goals growing up, but hammering your son into an elite wrestler won't bring you redemption. It's all, it's the, it'll only compromise your chance at a general relationship I, with him. Not while I, I, I agree with the sentiment, like I said, I've been doing the co- youth coaching thing for 10 years, and I think I probably would have probably typed that exact tweet 10 years ago. Now I think um, I feel like probably not a high 90% of the parents actually want what is best for their child. There's just a really high percentage that don't understand. So I guess, Christian, this was your idea to bring Jordan on. Um, but Jordan, how do you, how else do you think we can bring the correct resources to parents so they're treating and talking to their kids in a really productive manner? Well, one, we got to start off like we got to be better parents. Number one, it's like, how can you not be a, a great parent, but be a great coach? It just doesn't work, right? So if you yell at your kids at home, now imagine what you're going to do when they're not focused and they're undisciplined and they get their butts kicked and embarrass you in front of everyone. You're going you're gonna to operate with the same amount of disdain and, and, and anger that you would at the crib. So I think, number one, we have to work on the way we operate as parents primarily. We've got to work with more humility. We've got to read more. We've got to take lessons from mentors and people that we admire so we can just become better parents. That's number one for me. Number two is I think that we have to get to a place where we desire what's best for our kids, but we understand how to give grace in this approach. Like this is a long process. This is truly a marathon. It's still principles. And then hopefully they become elite. Too many people want their kids to be great athletes now. How many people have we seen in this sport that have fizzed out? And I'm sure when you were growing up, there were guys that you looked up to and you're like, damn, this guy's a great wrestler. I wonder if I could be as good as him someday. Man, there's no way I could be that guy. And so eventually you get to college and you're a legend in the sport and you've never even heard of the guy that you once admired because either their dad pushed them too hard and they really didn't love it. Or once they got to college, they had freedom and they wild out and went crazy or They just never really had the work ethic when their dad wasn't around. And so like, there's so many things that I see where I'm like, how many times has Beacon like, dad, can I go to practice? I'd rather be at practice than at home with you. I'd rather work really hard than spend time having a good time. There's definitely a balance there that we can find. Instructing, hey, listen, here's how we earn our keep. Here's how we develop into contributors to society. But also like, there still have to be a place in which they can operate as children. Like they're still babies here. So like, I know how I want to be treated as an athlete. I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to be chastised. Chastised. I don't need a rah-rah guy. I just want someone that's going to pour into me. That's going to encourage me. That says that they see great things in me. And then they're going to give me the blueprint and kind of the structure in which I can emerge and have a good time. So I, I think those things are important, but also like, I think, I feel as parents, the, the dads who haven't accomplished their goals are the ones that are trying to live vicariously through their kids. The ones who have achieved a high level of success, success begets success. Most of the people that you see and that have done really well are the ones that are going back to their kids and saying, hey, listen, I know what this is going to take. This is a really difficult journey that you're embarking on. It's really hard. Let me approach this from the perspective of I know how I want to be coached. I know this. Way I don't want to be approached. Let me kind of take all of these things that I've learned on this journey and give them back to you. Because like at this point, I'm like, bro, like I've I've done it. So whether Beacon is a champion or not, like that is not 
where I'm embarking. I, I think the things that I've learned in this sport, the, the opportunities that have been presented to me, the people that I've met, who I've become is, is what's important for me. College, traveling the world, met some of my best friends, met my wife through this sport. I've learned so much about character. Like those are the things that I'm trying to implement into my family. But, you know, if they just so happen to be elite and they do extremely well and they get a lot of W's, like I have no problem with that at all either. I've seen a lot of dads in the sport that are actually uh, professionally, maybe not athletically, but um, super high achievers that I think take it to the nth degree and take it really hard. And I feel like a lot of it is the dads obviously view the kids as an extension of them and they ought to will, they just feel like they've willed themselves to wherever they are in life, a, a pretty good place. And they feel like they can do that with their kid. And then it, it's a, it's not that they're trying to live through the kid necessarily. It's like, no, this kid is actually me. And yeah, it's, you're representative of our family. You better win. Yeah, exactly. I think I think so much of it from the parenting perspective is like not about uh, it's it's about having an accountability about the right thing, and it's just it's about the things I think you're all talking about is it is you're only talking about the effort and you're talking about the attitude and the perseverance, and you're never talking about like uh, or chastising or coming down on a kid for for performance. And I think the kid is always going to hold themselves to desiring achieving achieving winning the match winning the thing that's always going to be there i think for for a kid that's in sports and really uh wants to win that is always going to be there the the desire to win i think is innate with so many people just naturally that you don't even have to like foster that you don't have to nurture like the desire to win this innate like competitive drive i don't think i think what you have to foster is is the the work ethic drive and the the things that we when know say sport that, like, really helps. Let's, let's say if you're, let's say if Caleb asks you, Dad, why do you want me to win so bad? Right? What's your response? Why do yeah. you want me to win so bad, Dad? Yeah, I don't know what I've, I, I don't. Um, it's like uh, I, I want him. It's not that I want him to win. I mean, of course, I want him to win, but I don't want him to win so bad. I want him to, I want him to build the habits. Uh, that I think lead to a, be a successful person. I think it is. I think you are going to be more successful if you learn that working, working hard, showing up, being a good person, listening to your coach. I mean, it, that's a proxy. You're going to have a boss in your life, and you need to listen to them and support them. Um, so I think doing those things are what is actually important. And then I think the winning comes on the other side of that, and you don't even have to address or talk about that um, and say, and, and maybe you do say, hey, yeah, I, I think focusing on this will help you have success in life. And whether you'll be an Olympic champion wrestler or wrestling college, I don't know. But I know that the, the habits you build in sport and in school are going to help you have a more fulfilled life. I think that is the, the message. So, Ben, let me ask you this quick question. I've, so what I've seen is people are like, everyone that has been given participation trophies then develops this attitude of entitlement, right? A lot of grown adults have participation trophy mentalities. What has been your experience with youth wrestlers? If you're lazy, do you remain lazy? Can you develop someone who has an entitlement issue into a tough wrestler? 
and to someone that's principled? Or does participation trophies stymie kind of the mental growth and capacity of a young wrestler? Uh, so I, so I would say no, and I was, can I actually kind of add to that last question you guys are debating? Also, like, I don't think I've ever gotten upset with an athlete strictly over the result of the match, right? Win or lose. It would be more like performance-based, like, was it, obviously the first thing is, was it great effort or not great effort, right? We, we need that. And then, you know, after that, it's like, us, were, were there things we're talking about? Like, <laughs> I always tell this one really stupid story about, uh, one of my wrestlers that, that was he's at Wisconsin now, so he made D one, but he was down eight zero at the first period. He shot four head inside singles and he got dumped four times in a freestyle match. I said he came to the the, the the corner. I said, "Listen, listen, bro, I don't care what you do. If you shoot a head inside single again, you're freaking walking home." He shot a head inside single. He got dumped to his back. He lost ten zero. I'm like, damn it! Now I got to make a freaking kid walk home. And luckily, he found his own ride because um, I was pretty heated about that. So like something like that, where it's like. Can you pay attention to instruction? Not of like, I'm mad you lost 10-0. I'm mad because you shot a head inside single and I asked you. Yeah, but can, not can, you, can you give maximum effort and lose? Like, when have you ever celebrated someone like, damn, you wrestled hard. You did so oh, great this, out there. I'm so very proud of me, you. This that is guy so easy, Jordan. I, I, could, I could put any kid in my club up against you and they could try as hard as they want and they're going to lose 10-0. to zero. Right, so saying? in like, that. In that situation, in that scenario, what's the conversation yeah. like immediately after the match? In, in that in that scenario, when it's when there it's not winnable in any way, shape, or form, it's just like it's almost not even worth putting your kids in those matches because we're not going to learn a lot. So I actually think about it on both sides. It's like we don't really care about the matches we can't win. If I put any of my wrestlers up against you, there's zero chance they're going to score a point, and we don't really care about the matches we can't lose. Right? Where again, if you wrestled any kids in my club. It's not competitive. You're not going to learn anything about yourself. The matches that we actually care about are the ones that are in the margin, which is why we want to get our athletes into the appropriate skill level tournaments, right? Like, I don't want my guys who are who are ready to compete at a high national level competing in tournaments. It just doesn't matter, you know? Um, so there are plenty of times where kids give great effort. They're just not good. They're simply not good enough. And, and there are certain kids, like the, like the kid I brought up, where effort was never his problem. He, get, he worked his ass off. But other things like listening to strategy are important. And now if we're talking about being a great wrestler, if we're talking about being a great employee, understanding a great strategy and employing that is going to be an important tactic to you winning, right? For sure. Or doing well at your job. So there's other things that matter besides effort. Effort's the starting point. And there's other things, I think. So, yeah, but I think effort's the number one. And so to your point of like, was there ever a kid who got gave more effort? And the answer to that for me is 100%. Um, I really see it. I really see it in two two places are probably the main ones, but that doesn't mean eighth grade is usually a time when a kid says, I'm going to be more serious about this. I'm going to get good. And the other time, which it, it's sad because it's often too late. We have this huge influx of kids when they're going to be seniors in high school. And they finally say, shit, I only got one year left. I'm going to give it everything I got, you know? And it's yep. like, well, damn, I wish you would have done this before your sophomore year or your junior year. And we, we then we would have three years of this effort. Then this would be outstanding. <clears throat> And so I definitely see it at different points. You know, some kids like click when it's when they're 12, it clicks, you know, and some kids click when they're 15 and boom, it clicks. Also, I, I want to do this. I want to be great at this. You never know when it's going to happen. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times with our kids, it's, you know, I see it a lot going into the senior year because it's like this revelation of like, oh, my God, I've been doing this. And now I only have one year left. I better do this as hard as I can 
it's like, shoot, why, why couldn't we have got that three years ago? So do participation trophies hinder the mental growth of youth athletes? Uh, so I would say, I mean, I would say no. So we don't even care, encourage our kids to compete. And, you know, like I said, when you brought that up, I said, Hey Max, maybe we should do for a five seven year olds, like have a little fun thing, give them a little medal, give them a piece of pizza. And so you know, like, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for that. I think, pizza. you know, eight, ages eight and above, um, man, I, yeah, I think they're still excited about trophies. I think by the middle school age, they want, they do want recognition, especially from their peers, but maybe they're not as worried about like a physical, like I want to hold a trophy or a medal or something like that. Like, but they do want recognition. Right. And that's it. That's an important thing all the way through life till you're, everyone wants recognition. And to the, I mean, to your point about why dads get mad, a lot of dads get recognition because their son is really good at something and they like that recognition they're getting. And whether it's earned by them or not, they enjoy it. And so I think no matter how old we are, we want recognition. And like Jordan, this is something you probably never had to think about because you've been a world champion since you've been freaking 23 years old. So you've never had to think about someone giving you recognition. It's just been showered upon you. But there's a lot of people who don't get recognition for anything in their life. And they're just so happy when they, when they do get it. Um, so I think recognition, which is a, a participatory is recognition. People love recognition. So that's 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 where I'm thinking about mental health. Yeah, if you are not good at something, and you go unrecognized with significant effort for an extended period of time. You go insane. You live there. You'll literally be building a psycho path <laughs> because you are in this position where you're like, none of my effort is going to be rewarded. I'm not good at anything. No one recognizes me for being a winner. Here I am, just kind of existing on the fringes in this place of obscurity and no one really ever has given me anything. I've never won anything. No one's ever said they were proud of me or told me good job. So it's like, that is what a participation trophy does for all these individuals. And I think that parents are trying to teach these hard lessons where it's like, no, you get what you deserve. You get what you earn. You got to work hard for it. If you didn't win it, we're not taking it. But it's like, okay, well, what if my kid's no good at this? He's working really hard, but he just can't win. Yeah, so, so I, okay, so I had this debate last week. I have never, because I, I said, we actually had our middle school parents meeting, and I literally said this exact thing, and it, it would be true. I have never had a kid come through. We've been open 10 years. In my location, we've been open 10 years. I've never had a kid come through who's given consistent great effort and not gotten really good results. Now, I'm not talking they're a national champion, but we're talking – high state place winner. I've never had a kid who's given great effort and not gotten to that point. So it's it just like, it, it, probably, we have you, great probably effort. Never had kid, you probably never had a kid that won a participation trophy and be like, hmm, I'm good here. These are good. I like these. I'm going to settle with these for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I th and so, I mean, to, well, the other thing I think that, that I think about a lot when uh, you were saying, you know, um, a kid toiling with hard work and no reward. Um, and I don't remember who told me this. I, th I think it was my buddy, Alan Belcher, um, who, who he ran martial arts schools, not wrestling schools. But he said, every single practice you ever run, make sure you recognize every single kid by their name and, and try to praise them in some way, shape or form. And that is something that to this day, I try to do every single practice I run. I try to recognize every single kid by their name and praise something, whether it's, Hey, that was a great single leg. I like your effort, great hustle, something to that effect. And so like, again, and, and 
I don't want to pick on other wrestling coaches, but there's a lot of wrestling coaches who only want to work with the most fun ones. Hey, Keegan O'Toole, yeah. he was so freaking fun to work with. I mean, like, shit, like that, like, yeah, I could have just focused on him, right? Because he was so fun. But there's a room of kids who need my attention. And I, I honestly argue to a lot of people, it's like those kids who come into the room and they're freaking wimpy, they need it more than Keegan O'Toole. He's going to he's going to be fine no matter what. Right. I mean, I mean, they didn't have a strong male role model in their life who's telling them it's important to be tough. It's important to have discipline. It's important. to. They need that. They need they, that for me. Had those, they had those guys, but they never supported them emotionally. Well, so it's like if you're, some, if you're too high Jordan demand, too. Yeah. If you're too high demand, but you have zero support. You're going to create this militant individual that never knows love and is like callous and hardened by the world. Like, I don't think that's a place where a kid should have to dwell. Huh? I'm, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's the middle I, Nebraska. I don't see that very often in my club. I mean, we have I'm saying my, my responses on social from, from those God. tweets from Facebook. Like everyone's like, that's a soft take. JB doesn't know what he's talking sure. about. Here's, here's, here's my perspective. I never want to be celebrated or honored just based on my accomplishments as an athlete. Like, I don't want people to be like, JB knows what he's talking about because he's a great wrestler. I do what I do and I'm good at it, but that is not what, why I have this perspective. I do a lot of reading. I have a lot of experience in living. I seek out mentorship. I have conversations with people that I know that have done it before me that are in the process of doing it in each season of life. So Everything that I have that I would consider expertise is because it's knowledge that I sought from someone who knew a lot more than I do. And so when I give these perspectives, it's not just like off the cuff, like I'm a great wrestler. Listen to me. It's more so like, man, how do we do this? What have I seen? What have I heard? What have I watched in wrestling clubs that I've attended? And how can we improve on this? Because when I talk about parents, when I just say parents, dads, I'm in that same category. Like, I'm not kind of elevating myself on this pedestal where I'm talking down to people. I'm saying, hey, listen, if I'm not careful, I can end up in this same place where I'm bashing these people and I'm one of them. So I'm just trying to encourage people to say, hey, listen, this is what we can do. There's a better way, a a more nuanced way. It's going to take more deliberate approach um, and more strategy. But I think if we can do it right, like we change the way these wrestlers arrive in the sport, because I've seen so many guys that got into college rooms at the University of Nebraska, that once their parents drop them off, they're like, hey, listen, my son's a good kid. He's always worked hard. He's done everything right. He's going to be a champion for you. And then once they leave, they're not who we expected they were. It's because they were built on this house of cards with sand as their foundation because their dads always had to prop them up and do everything for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a, a better, more strategic way that we can approach our kids from an emotional building and encouragement perspective and then the wrestling becomes secondary. All of the hard things that I ever had to do growing up as a young man were encountered through sport, but it was really helpful that I had a great team of people around me that always built me up, encouraged me, and challenged me, but challenged me in the right ways. And so I think it's I think it's cool opportunity that we have here to kind of utilize and leverage our positions and our experience to really help change the perspective in the wrestling community. Yeah, I think so, the, there's a natural uh, human pull for especially for kids like the the trophy is not going to lift a kid up into a, i i think in general into some false sense of like actual believing they've succeeded and believing they're the best right so the 
that you know you're of, the best, bro. There's a kid walking away with a trophy as tall as him. Yeah, you got exactly. this kind of you know you're not the best. You know you that. So the the other side of that is like the I think the natural human thing, and I see it. I co- I coach little league wrestling now, and it's like kids don't believe in themselves in general, right? And yeah, that, that's for. For a variety of reasons, it could be parental support. It could be just like you're young and you just don't understand the world or understand like your role in your own development. And kids need to be gassed up and like told that you believe in that. Yeah. A kid told me that last week he's like, or he's like, he's like, I'm terrible. It's like you're not terrible. It's like this is where you are in the sport. It's the hardest sport you could do. You can, I, I, so I find you admit that terrible. Like, yeah, you suck, but everyone sucks at your age. Well, well, it's like a way to say it. It's like it's like you're exactly where 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 you would be for the amount of time you've been able to do this yeah. sport. If you put in the time effort, it's like you're right. You're right where you should be, man. You just keep putting in. You know, whatever. So, that's that's way. what kids do. That's what kids think, and that's how they feel. So finding that way to be the to bring that balance on the other side, I think, is just essential. Yeah. So hey, babe, I would say, you I would, did you win a national title in 2007? Hmm. Right. So let me kind of juxtapose this where we're at right now. When when Ben won his first in, or his second NCAA title, that was your senior year, 2007. Yes. Uh-huh. It was my true freshman year. Detroit, the Palace, and Auburn Hills. Hmm. I was one and two at the NCAA championships. I watched Ben Askren win a national championship. So at that point, I'm looking at myself, and the reality is I'm not very good. Didn't All-American, small town in South Jersey, no one in my family ever wrestled. So now I get to this position where I'm on the big stage. I remember going to the, my first NCAA tournament in 2006. It was my senior year of high school. My high school coach promised me if I was a state champion, he'd take me to watch the NCAAs. He took me to Oklahoma City. I watched Dustin Slater win the national championship at 149 pounds as a true freshman. Fast forward a year later, I'm a true freshman. In the first round of the tournament, I've got the number one seed returning national champion, Dustin Slater. And so – get beat, go to the backside, lose again to the number two seed, Matt Storniolo. And I'm watching everyone in the NCAA finals because I'm sitting where the rest of the people who don't make the final sit and you don't get into the parade of all Americans, just in the student section of the arena. And I'm watching, I'm like, man, I stink. I stink at this. I can't, I don't know how I can get better. I'm in the fire. It's really hard. I'm giving my best effort. But these guys are so far ahead of me, whether they started sooner, they have better coaching, better resources, they went to a better school. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But, you know, through, you know, just relentless effort, a ton of encouragement, you get to this place where you start to improve and then you get to a space where you're like, man, maybe I could really be good at this. So I think that, you know, what one of the things that encouraged me most, and I've, I've told this story a few times, but. In 2008, when I finished third at the NCAA tournament, I didn't believe I could beat Brent Metcalf. I lost to him in the semifinals, eight to four. I didn't believe. He was too tough, wrestled too hard, great conditioning. Didn't believe I could beat him. I was afraid. I just tried to keep the score respectable. So anyway, I beat returning national finalist Josh Torella on the backside for bronze. And so we had TiVo at the time. So I remember going home that summer, and my dad recorded everything, Big 12 championships, NCAA championships. And so I went back and watched my third place match. And after my third place match, I didn't realize I ran out of the arena to just go see my family. I was excited about it. But Mark Manning did an interview with Quint Kessinick immediately after the match. And he said, hey, you got to love this Jordan Burroughs kid. He's a sophomore. 
true sophomore from Sicklerville, New Jersey, came out here and won a bronze medal in a really tough weight class. What do you think about this kid? Man, he's like, yeah, he's a really tough kid. He's a warrior. I believe he's going to be a national champion someday. And in that moment, at home, back in Jersey, watching this pre-recorded on TiVo months later, it gave me this sort of inspiration where I felt like, man, I never heard this before. Like, this dude really believes in me. He says that I can be a national champion. He believes that I'm the best guy on the team. And I had one MVP on the team that year with Paul Donahoe, who was a returning national champion on our squad. So, like, that belief and that that pour-in and that buy-in for me happened only when I believed that the people around me actually believed in me. So I think that at some point, we have to encourage the people the youth wrestlers to say, Hey, listen, even though you're in a fire, even though it's really hard right now, I think that you have the chops to be great. What greatness looks like is going to be determined by you or determined by the future. But ultimately I think that I always grew the most when people told me how good I could become. I trusted my coaches and it made it a lot easier for me to wrestle for someone that I believed in. So I was able to dial in and focus and say, man, how good can I get at this? How hard can I work? This third is cool, but I really like to be a champion. Being good doesn't mean losing to good guys really closely. I have to be able to beat these guys and then be consistent with it. So like, I, I'm just thinking about as a youth wrestler, being honored and being recognized and being told that you have a future in this sport or just a future in life. Like I tell everyone that I meet as a youth wrestler, you may not be significant now amongst your peers, People may not admire you, but every one of you is going to be a leader in some capacity as you grow. You're either going to be a husband, a father, a CEO, business owner, manager, employee, friend, coworker. You're all going to be in a position where people are going to rely on you and count on you to do the right thing and operate with integrity. This is why wrestling is important. If you can give someone the belief that there is something bigger beyond where they are at this particular point and not just the trophies, I think that's going to really change the dynamic of how they look at themselves because the confidence issue comes from when you look at yourself like reality doesn't always align with what the people around you tell you and so i had serious confidence issues every time i walked into a tournament when i saw ben Askren, when i saw brent metcalf when i saw these champions on the front of the usa wrestling magazine on front of women's magazine i was like i don't belong here i can't beat these guys they've been here way before me and they've done it way longer they're way better at it but i think what gave me confidence before the championships was the people that believed in me. So it kind of goes back to this chicken and the egg conversation. Do you need to be confident before you can have a big win? Or do you need a big win to give you confidence and propel you forward? It's really tricky, but yeah. I think the pour in is going to, is going to kind of help facilitate the buy-in. Everything. Sorry, kind of no, you're tangent. good. Everything comes back to the wire for me, and I remember uh, the famous. You, you've all watched the wire. Here. <laughs> you had the reference the wire. I, okay, so all wire. right, so let me go here. This will take two seconds. It's a perfect little ten-second coaching story that well, I think makes me think about coaching. Cuddy wants to open the boxing gym. He doesn't know anything about opening a gym or coaching yeah. anyone, but he wants to do this thing. So he goes and he's talking to this guy who runs this gym and you go in there, there's all these studs and they're, they're hitting the bags and they're sparring and they look yeah. like, they're like 10-year-old kids. They look really good. And then the, the, the coach, 
goes to Cuddy and he's like, hey, well, look at this kid over here. What do you think about this kid? And there's this kind of gangly kid. He's like, you can, he's hitting the bag and you can tell he's like not good. And Cuddy goes, he's soft. He looks soft. He's like, the coach goes, he ain't soft. That's the start. And I think a lot of coaches mm. and people don't get it. No, you're not terrible. This is the start. And this is where it looks like, and the start looks a little different for everyone, but everyone's sort of terrible at this or terrible at some aspect of it. There are some naturals, there's some freaks, but for the most part, no. And that's the start. And I think a lot of coaches, they think, a lot of coaches think, okay, sometimes the start is this kid is bad at, at wrestling, but sometimes the the start is the kid is bad at believing in himself or the the the, the kid is bad at being tough, Right. And, like, that's the biggest weakness. Some kids are bad at wrestling, but they're tough and they can persevere. And that's the thing you have to develop is the skill. But sometimes you have to develop that toughness and the get the kid to believe in himself. And that's way, way harder than teaching a high crotch or a single leg. And that's why so many coaches will just say, those are, the ki- those are the coaches that say, oh, kids that don't want to wear singlets are too soft. And that's why they, should, they don't belong in the sport. They wouldn't have made it anyways. Because those coaches just can't challenge themselves to actually dig deep and figure out a way, okay, how can I develop this kid? And I think that's one of the biggest problems in wrestling today. So, all right. So, that, I mean, I believe that's the point I was making earlier. And then, I mean, Jordan said it essentially about, you know, he didn't believe in himself even when he was, uh, you know, third at the NCAA championships. Is like, I, you know, I think, Jordan, you referenced some of the militant parents who made their kids real hard ass and then they go to college and they go wild. And that, it absolutely happens. And so, obviously, if you're at University of Nebraska and kids are coming to wrestle on the team, you're never going to see any of those really soft kids because they probably wouldn't have made it that far. Uh, but I think those are the ones, as a coach, I can have the biggest impact on because there are a lot of kids that don't believe in themselves. And there are a lot of kids who, unfortunately, don't grow up in an experience where, where someone, whether it's a parent, a sibling, a teacher at school, a peer, is telling them, like, you can do it. There are some yeah. people that don't have that person in their life that, hey, it's hard Get tough. You can freaking do it. Let's go. And so, like, to be the person in that person's life who's telling him to telling him that, like, that that's a really important thing, regardless of whether they go on to win a state title or not. But if you can get them to believe themselves, their chances of winning something is obviously going to go up immensely, and the impact you're going to have on their life is really huge. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's the the driving factor. Is like we can do hard things. How do you? get someone to accept willingly challenges that we'll undoubtedly encounter. But, you know, not just being able to hold up, but to be able to seek challenges. I was reading a book called Chase the Lion. It's like every one of us is one brave moment from a completely different life. You know, one moment from operating with complete and absolute courage from changing our lives. So, you know, how do we get to this point where whatever we encounter Whatever obstacle adversity we face, we can look at it wholeheartedly and say, I'm capable. And even if I'm not at this particular moment, I'm willing to prepare myself for the opportunity to be ready to accomplish it. So I think this is all good stuff, man. Kids need it. AWA, they've got, listen, you want me to come out and talk to you guys? You want me to get them fired up? Let me know, man. (laughs) Yeah. I've been trying to. I've been trying to come out and do a wrestling camp for Ben for like a decade. He wanted sure. right now. All right, yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna happen now. Get him out there, Ben. He's no, no excuses. Can't fly me out. 
And Ben, for those kids that like uh, they hit that fire, you know, sort of too late, you know, their senior year. I think I think that's still like an awesome place yeah. for a, a kid to get to. Like um, I know for me, it, you guys know a little of my story. I, was, I I didn't start wrestling until I was a senior in high school. Obviously, I was terrible, but it it truly lit a fire in me because I had never understood like what I could was actually capable of physically, and that I, like I was didn't realize how not tough I was until I did this sport. And then I really did it. It really lit a total fire in me and made me like, well, I was like 18 years old and I completely viewed myself differently. Like I was, Whoa, I can actually do this, this, and this. I'm actually way tougher. Uh, what? You never go back after that. For those, real? those are important junctures of your life. For me, it was when I beat Dustin Slater in 2008, at the finals of the Kaufman brand open, it changed my life from a wrestling perspective. He had beat me all four times we had competed before. I couldn't get out from bottom, couldn't take this guy down, and I finally beat him. And I didn't lose another college match afterwards. It was such a huge determining factor for me that it changed the way I operated, the way I navigated life. I looked at myself as a champion, had so much confidence. That's why I'm always trying to give this encouragement to these guys i'm like listen once you do it and you prove to yourself that you can do it it changes your life forever you never go back to the person that you were before you even view yourself differently you start to take on the world differently it's an important time for every man so those kids may not reach that wrestling achievement but who knows what it'll it'll do for them ben because i know it did this has been a really fun uh discussion to have you two guys on talking about is is really cool jordan if you have time um can we uh just take hit a couple other questions while, while you're yeah, here. Yeah, sure. Cool, man. Okay. So, so one thing we've been talking about a lot on here, and, and I'm not trying to put you in, in a in a weird position here, <laughs> uh, but oh, we've been talking about we've been please talking about me. the the Snyder Sajalayev Bro Tour that's been going down in Russia, and they are <laughs> they are they're boys, and so I'm like. Uh, it's just I don't care if Kyle. I'm not saying Kyle needs to hate Sajalayev, but publicly yeah. I like the idea that they don't really like each other. They want to be each other. And it's USA and Russia, and that's like sports to me. So I, one of our questions was: Could you do something like that with Sitikov or Sargush and, and pal around with these guys, yeah. similar to how Kyle did? Uh, they'd probably get lure me there and then try to kill me. No, you know, honestly. <laughs> I, I thought it I thought it was beautiful. I watched it and early on I'm like, this is stupid. This doesn't make sense. But the more I watched it and the more I know the heart of Kyle Snyder and the heart of Sajalayev, right. every time I experienced um an, an opportunity to engage with Sajalayev, he's always been extremely hospitable, uh, very kind, very gracious individual. And then I just know Kyle. I know he's a man of faith. I know he has a big heart and he operates with humility. So my heart started to like unharden and I kind of cracked this shell of an exterior. And I started to think, man, what would this look like if I did this ambassador like trip over to be with my opponents? What I've realized is you don't have to hate someone to want to beat them. You just got to, I don't believe you unless you go hang out with Sargush. Godoyev. No, Sargush. (laughs) Sargush, he's worse. So, so I thought as, as I watched it unfold, I thought it was phenomenal to see these guys and and the true spirit of what wrestling really means. Yeah. You know, we talk about fragile eagles all the time, but you know, when you're confident and secure in who you are, you can do things of of this magnitude. So I thought it was really special. 
I thought it was a blessing for the wrestling community to see two great competitors that have wrestled one another for, you know, with always high stakes on the line for them to be able to come together and spend time with one another and really create a memorable trip. I thought it really bridged the gap between Russia and the USA. And I think that this is something that you'll start to see more commonly as we move forward. It was really special. But yeah, as as it was happening, I'm thinking like, damn, can I do this with Sitikov? Can I do this with like Sarkoush? You're doing a freaking Kyle Dake. I don't even want to go to New York up a couple hours <laughs> and do this with Kyle. You know, so I'm like, this is this is really tricky, but it also gets to the heart of who these guys are. This is what being an ambassador looks like. When you're great at what you do and you're secure in your identity and you're a strong man, it doesn't matter. Like you don't need to operate with this, you know, supreme hate or dislike or discontent for, for the people that you compete against. So I thought it was special, but I still have a hard time probably doing it. I want to go <laughs> spend some time with someone that I've beaten every time that we compete yeah. against, not, not someone that's beaten me, but I, I completely get it. I love Kyle. I love, you know, Sajulayev. I think it was a great express expression of, of sportsmanship and humanity. I thought it was really cool. It, it uh, it reminds me of the photo of you and I think a Darcy on yeah. the stand with your like your arm around yeah. him. Yeah, man. Also, it was, uh, now we're in. This is my first words of the podcast. Uh, hello, JD. <laughs> Bro, that became like one of the photos of the <clears throat> Olympic Games that year. It was a really special time for me. Um, and you know, I, I got a t- tremendous respect for the people of Iran. So when I think about it, I want to replicate it, but I want to go to Iran. I'd like to go have. They love you there. On, in which I could, you know, do very similar things to what you know Kyle just experienced in Russia. Um, I want to go too know, if I was treated like a king. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually have a big following in Russia too. You know, I'm, I'm sure that they have a love hate relationship with me, uh, but because of their strong wrestling foundation, I think they give me tremendous respect and admiration. So I got, uh, I've got some things to think about. I'd love to do it, try to replicate it. But I definitely have to figure out who I would be spending my time with, and I have to humble myself. Snyder a has a S- Snyder has the benefit of a much less hateable uh, rival in Sajulayev. He's like kind of hard to dislike, whereas like uh, mm-hmm. Godoyev and and Sargush were so easily like these guys are. It's it's not hard to root against those guys. So he's got the benefit yeah. of uh, Sajulayev has just only been like a humble champion throughout uh, his his time. He is, man. And, and Sidikov, too. You know, I think yeah, it's, for it's, sure. There's a spirit of excellence that these guys operate with where the game is changing. They're not in this position where, you know, they're these these hateable guys, where they're these villains. They're also they're just really good wrestlers. They're really good at, at this sport. And so, you know, you can't help but like them. I get it as an American. Frank Chimiso used to be my favorite wrestler, bro, for a long time. Right. Basically, uh. he moved up to 74 kilos. And so I started to realize, man, this is stupid. Like I'm losing my opportunity to spend time with someone who could probably help me improve as an athlete. And I really enjoy spending time with all because I want to be a so-called competitor. This is stupid. It's a waste of time and energy. My, my thing was like, I get it. I understand if I was in the, that position, it'd probably be kind of similar, but strictly as a fan, like yeah. I, I want them to not like each other. I want the the Rocky montage where you wake up and you know you have yeah. their image in the mirror and then you crumple it. But, but, but does that does that sacrifice the quality of the competition that they both of these guys are competitors. Right. Supreme competitors. So when they wrestle, it's gonna be a scrap every single time, regardless. They don't change of, their effort. 
So it's like, I don't think hate, hate uncontrolled and undisciplined is just rage. And that's not how either of these guys operate. They're very controlled. They're very systematic in their approach to their sport. And they have great control of their emotions. Losing control, antics, craziness is a mark of weakness to me. And these guys are two of the strongest mentally um, individuals that I've ever seen in this sport. So it's no surprise that they're able to control their minds and their hearts on and off the mat. Yeah. Um, quick little pivot here. We had a question from C. Finn. What your thoughts on NILR and how you believe it would have impacted your career as a college athlete? I tell you what, I would have loved to have an opportunity to do I, I mean, there was no money in wrestling at that time anyway. Let's yeah. be honest. Like when I came out of college, people still weren't making money. Like my first I won my first world championship in Adidas in 2011, and I got $10,000 for the year from those guys. I think I got like 10 for the year and like five to win a world championship. So I got $15,000 for the year. So I was making like $12.50 a month. Um, and so like the game has significantly changed as social media has become popular and more prevalent. As the sport's just grown, people have recognized where we are in the sport. I think NIL would have been helpful for me post college because it would have kind of given me the ability to con continue to develop you know my approach to social and then also to like marketing myself i was kind of on the cutting edge where social media is becoming big and i was one of the first guys that really wanted to spend a lot of time on there so i probably would have thought about it a lot sooner um i started to operate a, a little bit more quickly and i would have had a little bit more savviness and, and more chops to to be strategic when it came to, to resources when i first came out i didn't really understand that but you know, I, I've grown and developed. I think that there are a lot of guys who are doing it well. My favorite right now is probably Roman Bravo Young, RBY. I think does a really good job with his social page um, because he's humble, um, but he's a beast. So you want to watch him compete. He doesn't have to be crazy for you to desire to watch him wrestle. You know, he's going to put on a show every time. So RBY is probably my favorite. I like what David Carr is doing. He's doing a good job. Um, I'm a big date and fix fan. Nick Suriano is a mis the most mysterious, mysterious man in wrestling. So he doesn't post often, but when he does, even if it's just a picture of a globe, people go ahead and get excited just to see him on social, you know, so go back and look at his last three social posts. One was his Michigan posts and two were globes and they've got hundreds of comments and thousands of likes. Um, so, you know, I think that there are a lot of guys who have figured out how to leverage their personalities and do it really well. And then you got some guys that just, are begging for attention in other ways that are trying to, you know, nah. uh, get, get, get people to, to like and, and comment and click on their stuff. So it's, it's in a unique space that we're in, but I think, I think those young guys are doing a good job. It's fun. It's fun. I hope they make a lot of money. I hope they win a lot of championships though. Nice. Lane Kiffin came out cause yesterday was the football signing day and Lane Kiffin came out and said <laughs> in football. So it's a little different, but he's like, yeah, it's just a wild, wild west now. Like, Kids are just going, like, where they can get yeah, paid bro. most. That's, that's how it is, though. People are like, I need money. What's up? What can you what, – what you got for me? Did you like, see – so one recruit did, like, his, you know, how they put up the thing and they take the hat or whatever. Yeah. One kid, had, he was sponsored by Takis, and he did that thing just to say he hasn't decided yet, but he probably got paid by Takis, like, thousands of dollars, just to say I haven't, I haven't signed bro. yet. G move there. It was commercial. It wasn't even a signing. Exactly. Or, or yeah, it's wild. Bro. I, I don't know how things are going to continue to go, but, you know, I'm curious who's making the most. Uh, 
That's not a question. Gable Stevenson is making the most money. I'm curious <laughs> who's the, who is making the most money out of the other pool of guys that are kind of still amateurs that haven't made world teams. Um, you know, I imagine a guy like Dayton Fix probably should be in a place where he's starting to kind of leverage his commitments. The hardest part is guys are going to start selecting colleges based on where they can make the most money. Yeah. And you're going to want to go into big markets with strong fan bases with a, a, a large donor that's going to help you provide opportunities for yourself. So it's, it's unique. I wonder if NILs are start, uh, will start to replace scholarships where it's you're like, yo, listen, I, I can't give you a full ride because we got a lot of guys on our team that we've invested money in. But what I can do is I've got this guy who owns a real estate company and I can give you housing or I can, you know, give you a free opportunity to, you know, advertise our car dealership and we'll give you a vehicle whatever that case may look like. But, you know, there's certain people who have an extension of resources that other colleges just don't have access to. So it's going to get really dicey as we move forward. I hope that everyone can continue to operate with integrity. But this is just, again, one of the reasons why I don't want to get into college coaching. It's an <laughs> profession, but it's a headache. It's a big headache, and I don't want to deal with it. Bring it back to football. But the number one or two unanimous recruit in the country to- chose um, Jackson State. Yesterday, wow! He flipped from Florida State. Also upset, wow. Deion Sanders would, is Jackson State would, head coach. Florida State, Florida State lost to Georgia Southern this year. They're terrible. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that was a very difficult decommitment, but I imagine that he probably had some other opportunities elsewhere. But hey, Jackson State is—they're thriving, bro. You gotta yeah. understand, like most of these most of these athletes that are in the in fo- the football space are black. They come from black communities, urban neighborhoods, like. When I was coming out of high school, I would have loved to go to a place that had a great wrestling team that was in a school with a bunch of people that looked like me. Like everybody that I hung out with, that I engaged with in high school, that I spent most of my time with, all the parties that I went to, my girlfriend at the time, all black, right? So like it was a complete culture shock when I got here to Nebraska and there was just a small, small, you know, group of us. And so it was, I think... From, for whoever that kid is, wherever he's coming from, I imagine he's from a black neighborhood. He wants to be with people that look like him, that understand the dynamics of his culture, the music he likes to listen to, the people that he wants to be around, how he wants to talk, dress, act, speak. Like, if there's a certain level of culture that he's going to get there and tribalism that you can't really get anywhere. So I think it's a wise move. Is he's going to be super comfortable in this fit. He might not be on... <laughs> he might not be on TV. <laughs> but you know i think he's going to really change and shift the game all there are a lot of black athletes that are choosing to go to these power five conferences particularly because of the access that it gives them but you know if they all start to shift their commitments and go to you know these hbcus i think it'll really change the climate and you know investors will have to start putting more money into these colleges and so their experience will be completely different it, it takes one it takes one. And so he's high level. It's going to really change the game. Morgan State's got a wrestling program now, too. Yeah. Right. It's like, what what wrestling coach is going to go there? You got to hire a black man. Number one. That's the number one thing. You got to hire a black man to be the head coach there. And then he's going to get a lot of those wrestlers from those southern tier states from, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, Atlanta, um, or Georgia, excuse me, um, that, you know, kind of fly under the radar that get lost in the sauce and, they have the opportunity to go and compete at a program like Morgan State. and They're going to be able to build and grow there. So it's an exciting time to be a, a young black athlete. And I'm hoping that, you know, these guys continue to operate with 
you know, with confidence that they're doing the right thing and they can have conviction when they make decisions like this. Cause it's, it's big. A lot of people are shunning him like, dude, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You're going to go to Jackson state or Florida state um, or Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, or any of these places. But you know, you got to go where you feel comfortable, you know, and go where people celebrate you and support you and you feel good about what you're doing. So hopefully he's, he's, he's feeling good about it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, that was awesome to see. Jordan, um, last question before I let you go and appreciate your time as always. What's what's yeah. next for you? What's training been like? How are you feeling? Uh, and uh, when will we see you on the mat next, you think? Yeah, so I'm just recovering. I had COVID for the second time. Um, and so I'm just recovering from COVID again. And I feel, but I feel good. I'm just getting back to practice. Training's been good. It hasn't been extremely consistent. You know, I think the hardest part for me right now, being completely candid, is what matters. You know, you get to this space where I want to win the Olympics again so bad. I want the Olympic Games. So even the world championships don't seem as as big of a prize for me any longer. You know, I've won five of those. I've only won a single Olympic Games. I want the Olympics. I want to win the Olympics. That's important to me. So I think I'm kind of at this stage now where, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think a little bit more about my competition schedule because I'm trying to preserve longevity in the sport protect my body so i'm like do i need this should i tune up should i just take this one off do i need to practice this hard can i take a few days off and do i need to have a more strategic approach to my training and my preparation so you know that i'm trying to delineate though between what's laziness and which actual like tactics so it's 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 kind of a tricky position that i'm in because the reason why i've been able to sustain this long is because i've never said no you know, I'd rather be sore and uncomfortable than be looked at as a chump that doesn't want to train hard. You know, I, I want to always be the guy in the room that's the hardest worker in the room, every room that I go into. So, yeah, I'm in a tricky situation now. I'm not sure exactly when my next competition is going to be, but I'm back to training full time and I'm, I'm trying to make a world team. Final X 2022. Let's go. I'm going to have a lot easier time making weight this Final X than I did last Final X. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's we're all glad to glad to hear that, and that that makes a lot of sense at this stage in your career to kind of be scaling back somewhat to to a degree. What gives you what gives you so much confidence in in twenty twenty four as as a as a pursuit for you? I don't know. I you know what's crazy is Lauren and I we were thinking about like weight classes. We we're like because you know everyone's texting me like eighty six, eighty six, eighty six. Yeah, that's my master I'm plan. Like, did 86 really work? Because I'm thinking like, okay, let's say I medal in 2023. I'm in the semifinals. So I really only have to wrestle two people at 86. Um, you know, and then I, I imagine at this point that David Taylor will probably be sitting out to the finals because he's going to run the table. Can I get there? What, what does that look like? I can't even weigh 189 pounds though. That's, that's the problem. I can't get up to 189 pounds no matter how hard I try, how much I eat, how much I lift. But that might not be a problem. Floating around 184, 185, I still can scrap with the biggest and the best of guys at that weight class. But I want to beat Kyle Dake bad too. You know, so like for me, if I go up to 86 and I don't make the team, I feel like I wasted an opportunity to wrestle Kyle again. I feel good at 74. I'm only like my losses at 74. Like think of who I lost to at 74 in the last four or five years. It's only been Chimiso and Sitikoff. And Dave, Chimiso, Sitikoff, Dave, those are the only guys that have beaten me in like the last three or four years. So it's not like 
at 74, I've kind of evened the, the playing ground and, and guys are just picking me off more periodically. Now it's, it's not happening. I'm still competing at a very high level. It's just really hard to get down the weight. And so it zaps some of the fun out of the sport. But, you know, if I had to have it my way, I want to beat Kyle Dake in the finals of the Olympic trials at 74 kilos and then beat Sitikoff in the finals of the Olympic games in Paris. Like that would be, that would be, oh, bro, I'm telling you, like when you talk about completion and like die happy, man, that would be an absolute honor for me. That's, that's the goal. So I think 74 right now, just from a, a, a perspective of like the pursuit and the chase and the obstacle is, is more appropriate. 86 would be, easier and be more comfortable because I didn't have to make weight and I would probably only have, you know, you know, I wouldn't have, I mean, I get, I'd have David Taylor and his Donnie, whoever, Aaron Brooks, Mark Hall, all these amazing athletes. But, you know, I think when you're not losing weight, it kind of changes the dynamics of the, of the pursuit. But yeah, man, I think 74 is it for me because of these guys that I really want to beat. I remember when Kyle Bakes said a couple years ago, he's like, what if JB goes up to 86? And he was like, wow. You know, so yeah. that's where I'm kind of in that space now where I'm like, I want to go and beat these guys because these are guys that I owe one. And so if I don't and I can't, so be it. I'm finished. I can walk away confident that I've done everything I could in this sport. But if I do, like it solidifies all the things that I already know about myself and I think I'm capable of. So it'll be fun. It'll be a fun pursuit. And it it creates for a lot better intrigue. You know, like people want to see that. Like people would like to see me and David, but everybody wants to see me and Dick again. I think that that would be an epic matchup. Awesome. Jordan, uh, great having you on as always. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Um, thanks again, man. This is awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys. Yeah. It's been fun, man. Ben, go brush your hair, bro. <laughs> great. Jealous. Thanks, JB. The one and only Jordan Burroughs. Fun stuff. Uh, lots of, we're not going to get to everything we maybe wanted to, but that was better than anything we would have gotten. We got to make some picks. I'm ready to roast you dudes again. <laughs> oh, and I'm, uh, I, I, I actually, I ranked the, I, I ranked the pools here, uh, that from the, the duels they're coming on Monday and Tuesday. And, uh, I'm not so salty about Iowa, not wrestling Virginia tech. I mean, I think it'd be better because that, 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 <laughs> The one side is a little tougher than the other side. Well, yeah, it. there's reasons for that. Um, what did? Um, hey, I'm just gonna say, just tying, putting a knot on the on the JB thing. Last time he came on, totally dismissive of '86. Not even, I never even considered it. But uh, he said a little it, bit. I think it's a. You know what? Is he going? He kind of left. He put it. a little he's going doubt down. in his brain. But now he's, he thought about it a little more. He kind of gave some credence to some of the ideas. So uh, Operation 86, not fully DOA, although I can understand why he would want to go 74. Uh, let's talk about these duels. We only have 11 minutes. I, Christian. I can't contribute to the uh, really the youth talk. Kids to me. You ain't got no kids, JD. I know yeah. what I'm saying. Kids three and below are like one category and then three to 12, they might as all be the same age. And then like, no way. No, bro. No, but to me, I know, but like to me, (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. They're like, they're like, there's like several different species of between three and 12, much less. The the difference between my five-year-old class and the six and sevens is immense. It's yeah, no, they're all the same. <laughs> they're all smaller than me. JB's like, I could take them. That's I, I would crush all of them. All right, tee it up, JD. Where are we going first? We got to get some. Well, I, 
get these predictions Listen, going. I want to. I okay. Hold on. One. Okay, Mister. Christian, which minutes. which pool is tougher? Penn State, Cornell, Arizona State, U and I, Virginia Tech, Hofstra, or Iowa, uh, Lehigh, NC State, Binghamton, Missouri, and Central Michigan. Obviously, the first one. Obviously, the first one. They need to. They need to move one more team over. Well, listen, it would be Ben, more you know how this goes. These coaches what? are saying, I'm not wrestling them. I'll wrestle them. This team's in this. That's how it goes. Lame. Well, I think welcome, it's lame. I welcome, think it's lame. To the, welcome to the real world. Coaches are making all the decisions about everything, basically in wrestling. And especially, yeah. they're especially careful about who they do and do not wrestle. So they're, annoying. Yeah. I, I'm not happy. But it also... Um, I was looking on your rankings, and you guys used to have team tournament rankings and dual rankings, and I don't see that option anymore on your drop-down menu. Yeah, I think we'll probably bring those back soon. That was but a Bracky special. Like, oh, that was yeah. a Kyle Bracky special. Bracky, uh, he has not been doing – he Bracky, hasn't been writing anything. <laughs> now that you mention it, when's the last time he put anything on the site? He really fell off. I'm going to put him on a performance improvement review. Okay. Yep, because you you and I is all the way down at 25th in your rankings, and I feel like as a dual team, they're they're absolutely better than that. Um, mm. As a tournament team, yeah, they don't have a lot of high scores, but um, I, I would move them up in the dual rankings for sure. All right. Now, begin. <laughs> Finally, Sorry. we're going to have to run through these picks. But do we want to start with collegiate duels, or there are a couple other decent events going on this weekend before next Whatever show. order is fine. Okay. We'll, we'll get them all. Well, this this is chronological. Okay, that makes sense. So Friday night is the Cowboys showdown, Wyoming, Oklahoma State. Tomorrow. Yep. Uh, our man David Bray is already there, um, I believe, or it might be in Colorado. I'm not sure exactly what. He is somewhere He's in the Rockies. Somewhere. If it's a Cowboy showdown, you shouldn't be able to include include Falcons. You should you need another Cowboy team. That's true. Well, yeah, there should be one more. Yeah, but uh, so we I put, picked three matches from this: Jacob Wright versus Wyatt Sheets, Tate Samuelson versus Dakota Gear, and AJ Fryer versus Stephen Buchanan as kind of the headline matches. Okay. Okay. Hit us with uh. Are you? Are we going? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Get Jacob Wright versus Wyatt Sheets just made it a pick em. That's a pretty close one, I feel like. Okay. Uh, ben, what do you think? Because of the altitude, I am going to go Jacob Wright. I'm also going with Jacob Wright. He had a good showing at Vegas. His only loss was to Kendall Coleman, 7-5. He beat both Justin Thomas and Will Luan. Those are good wins. Sheets look yep. sheets look good against Justin Thomas as well, uh, but I'm going I'm going to go with Wright. Screw you guys. Um, I'm going White Sheets. All right. Why, why is this next one? Why is Samuelson the favorite? Because you guys have in the flow rankings, you guys have Gear at six and Samuelson at fifteen. But did you mean to put the the line the other direction? No, because uh, Samuelson uh, beat him twice last year. Ten six and six two. Really, that's yeah. interesting. What you gonna do about it? I'm picking Tate Samuelson because it was uh, it was elevation. I, I just want I was trying to get some extra points with it. You're gonna lean hard on the on the cowboy train here. I'm, gonna... I'm, going, I'm going. I went all Oklahoma State Cowboys last weekend. Did me good, and I'm going the other direction this time. I know. I, I kind of went leaned on the Sooners a little bit more, and I paid for it dearly. So this is interesting because 
two four-point losses cannot be just dismissed. Cannot. Uh, as, as, you know, one bad one, – one four-point loss is like, okay, well, on the whole, gear's been better. But at some point, matchups matter. So now you got to look at the line. Samuelson minus one and a half. So if gear loses 5-4, I win. So – I got. It. I feel like Gear has looked really good so far this year. I thought he looked good uh, Sunday. I don't know why, but I'll go Gear for this one with the points because of that Ooh. half point. I know it is. It is enticing, and I think Gears look good as well. Um, but I'll go with the history, and I'll ride Samuelson. We we hey. got a six four loss to Jonathan Lowe uh, on the year for. Is Oklahoma State there yet? Are they in? Laramie, because if they're not, they're they're the, the elevation is going to hurt them. So they're doing the classic dual double duel at two different locations situation. They're going to wrestle Air Force and then on Friday earlier in the day, and then they're going to drive up to Laramie oh. and wrestle oh, them. Jeez, but when yeah. are they getting to? When are they getting to Oklahoma, uh, Air, uh, Air Force? Laramie that day? No Air Force. Oh. oh. Uh, they're probably there right now. I don't know when they got they there. They did a week acclimation. They have not been emailing me <laughs> their travel itineraries here lately. I figure you guys are up on Instagram. What's Ferrari's Instagram say? Yo, Ferrari been shooting guns. Yeah. And not on the yeah. Air Force base. Well, He's going to love he going then? Air Force may try to – this could be a, a recruiting trip. You know, Coach Barber may be like, hey, if you like guns, this this could be the place for you. We have we put them on planes here. Here at the <laughs> he's got a lot of gold chains and he's got a WWE hat on in his story. Yeah. Well, he's, oh, he's a WWE with, athlete now. With, uh, Malky and first round management. It looks like. All right. Uh, hold on, they're traveling. This is oh three hours, hours ago. ago. Three hours ago, they're traveling. They just like. left this morning. So they left this morning. Oh, that that, that gas tank, boy, that's gonna be, their lungs are gonna be on fire. The legs gonna be burning. John's just gonna tell him. Just get tough. It's Elevation. Elevation's a myth. Okay, next match. Who'd you pick? I'm at Samuelson. Gosh, this one: AJ Ferrari, Stephen Buchanan, Ferrari, a three and a half point favorite. Buchanan all day. Three and a half feels too. Maybe I was too gut. Yes, but no. I three and a half Buchanan points is a lot of points. Yes. Dude, he looks so so good against yeah. uh, just at I, Vegas in general. He's so hard to score on. Yep, Buchanan for me. He must have beat him pretty bad last year for you to make that line, though. Yeah, I think it was four points. Um, and I went for a last week on the three-and-a-half-point line, and he betrayed me by not going <laughs> after a takedown in the third. So it was 13-8. at Big 12s. That was so I'm elevation. going Buchanan because Ferrari did me dirty last week. Yeah. Okay. Watch him go and get it done this time. We'll see. Uh, that one's live on Flow. Also live on Flow this weekend uh, is Purdue versus Iowa State. Yes. Mm-hmm. I made the match I pulled from that one was Kyson Terakina versus Devin Schroeder. Made Schroeder oh, two and a half point favorite. Ooh, I'm going to go Schroeder covers that. That's what I'm thinking. I think, I think, he can, I think he'll win by more than that. Takedown, yeah. riding time, escape point. That puts you right there. Yeah, so, I mean. so good on top. Yeah, let's go Schroeder. 
Derek Keenan's looked pretty salty this I year. I agree. Um, he, he's definitely made some improvements. I kind of kind of want to go with him, but I, I'm with you that I, I think Schroeder is able to win by like three, three or four. All right, yeah. we got to shift into overdrive. Overdrive? Why you guys got tacos today or something? I wish. No, we have till well, we have till nine fifty-two before Tyler will hit the ejector button. We will be launched through the ceiling. So we got to go. Reno uh, tournament champions this weekend. These are potential finals matches, but we could get an Evan Wick Shane Griffith rematch Ooh. possibly because both Cal Poly That's and nice. Stanford are there. Mm. The line Wick three and a half. La- one by four. One by four, right? I'll, yes. I'll take Griffith to uh, cover this time. The adjustments say, yeah. are, are, for, are for Shane to make. I mean, I'll say Evan you, wins by two or three is what I'll say. Could, I can't envision Evan wrestling a more like perfect and complete match than, than well, he well, did. Yeah, well for him. He just looks – it's like, man, Griffith will, Griffith's the champion. He'll make some adjustments here. I think Wick wins by two or three. So I'm going Griffith with the line. Okay, well, we can't go to the same pick three three in a row because it's bound not to happen, so I'm riding Wick. All right. He's on Wick Nation. Next one, we've got uh, Tate Samuelson versus Bernie Truax. One-half point favorite for Truax. Truax. Uh, Bernie Truax Jr. I'm going to go Samuelson covers this. I think he's a, a upset special here, potentially. Uh, yeah, we still haven't seen... Bernie super tested up um, at 84. Yeah, he did. He wasn't at CKLV, so hopefully he wrestles this weekend. Tate was at CKLV and did look pretty good. So I'll go Cowboy. Cowboy, good ride, Cowboy. Okay, these is are it, pot- when is CKLV? Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday, Monday? Or you mean Reno? All right, Reno. Uh, I believe it is Saturday, Sunday. Let me double check. Yeah, because the high school tournament's Friday. Well, how is uh, uh, how is Wyoming getting there? Because if they're wrestling Friday night, they would have to weigh in Saturday morning. No, I think the college tournament is Sunday only. Oh, it's just Sunday only. Yeah, it's like the high school tournament is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, could be mis mis mis. mis- uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it for you real quick. All right, right let's here. keep moving. All right, keep All right now to uh, collegiate duels. Sunday. Um. Yep, Sunday. Okay, there you go. Possibly the marquee matchup if it happens. Vito Rougeau versus RBY. I that made RBY so a point and a half favorite. Mmm. Mm, that makes it tough. Uh, I will go. I'm going RBY. I'll take I'll Vito. RBY. I'll take the points with Vito. I don't. I don't think I'd pick him to win. I think Vito's going twenty-five, so I don't even think this match is possible. But uh, if he goes thirty-three, I will be excited to watch. Hey, you it. said you thought that you had seen that like announced, but I, I hadn't seen it. Yeah, I haven't either. But it's just my thought. Anywhere. My I know thought. on their probable, not like officially, but on the collegiate duels page or whatever the Rockfin page that they, they listed Vito was listed at thirty-three. So that's kind of what I'm. Basing well, remember he weighed in at one. Vito weighed in at one thirty-one for the. My hypothesis that he was going down, um, yeah. but I don't know how official those lineups are that Collegiate Duels put out. They did say subject to change, so who knows? Yeah, but you know, go twenty-five, but go thirty-three for this, you know, for the people. <laughs> for the people, let's do it because <laughs> I know he's they, him versus. Well, who does it? Who's like? I mean, okay, so I, I do you think Cornell? So do you think Greg can beat Penn State's one twenty-five? Yes. 
Yeah. So then it's probably better that they leave him at 33. Yes. Because if, if Cornell wrestles a backup at 33, he's probably going to get mauled. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. There you go, Vito. He's wrestling 33. We just yeah. decided. Coach Gray. Right. You're welcome, Mike. Also, that duel possibly Yanni versus Bo Bartlett. I made Yanni this a four and a half nervous. point favorite. Because oh. Yanni hasn't been crushing dudes this year. So this line makes me nervous. Because I... Bo Bartlett is not great at scoring points, but he is great at holding position and not giving up points. Mm. Yanni covers this. Yanni covers? I go yeah. Bo. No. Let me see. Covered up. Give, me, give me a few He's getting seconds. covered and smothered. Covered and smothered. What did you say, Ben? Covered and smothered. Oh, man. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going Bartlett. I'm going to Yanni wins by four. Bartlett doesn't lose by a lot. He lost by two points to Sasso, two points to Blockus, two points to Yaya Thomas. I don't think he has any chance of winning, but I think he keeps it close. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Yes. Next one, moving on, uh, Binghamton in Missouri. Lou Dupre versus Rocky Elam. I made Elam a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That's kind of a big favorite. Why did you I know. make it so large? You have your reasons. What are they? Lou Dupre lost a couple times kind of big last year. Yeah. And Holy Elam's moly. Really good. Lou Dupre's only got 14 matches this year. Jesus. That's a lot. That's a lot already? He'd been in these streets, 12-2. and two. Yeah, yeah. He lost 7-5 and 2-0. I, I'll take Dupre in the points. I'm going to Dupre. That's a lot of points. I'm going Dupre. Give me I Rocky. think Rocky wins. But he lost by it's... three. He lost by six to Britt Wilson. That was bad. Lost by four to Paws. That, that covers. Not... Elam is better than Britt Wilson. Well, and so is Hunter Bolin. He only beat him by three. So, so therefore, ergo, vis-a-vis. Next up, Brandon Courtney versus Sam Latona. Oh, man. I can't believe you made this line so big, too. Bro. Latona, a fall. Latona. A fall is covering, and Latona is struggling this year. I understand that. Okay, so, but hold on. Is, do they all weigh in at the same time? Because the duels, okay, here's my question. The duels happen kind of, uh, it's two per two hours or whatever, right? So There's a duel um, at 10 a.m., noon, 2, 4, 6, 8. But, Correct. So, so I'm guessing everyone weighs at 8 a.m. and this duel will happen at 2 p.m. Probably which is nine. One hour weigh-in for duels. Okay, significantly later. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Latona covers. That's a large spread. Mm, That's a good factor. Yeah. All right. You know what? I'm. I'm sticking with him. I'm going with Latona. He'll cover. I'm going. I'll go Courtney. Okay. Next one, Kyle Parko versus Bryce Andonian made Parko two and a half point favorite. Why'd you make Parko the favorite here? Did he wrestle before? It's all American. He's looked really good. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's uh, interesting. I would not. I would I could have saw a pick him on this for sure. Yeah, and I think oh. we all have to pick Andonian now. Uh, he beat Andonian 7 4 at the, the quarters of the NCAAs last year. That may so be why. why. That probably that informed the decision largely. Yes. Um, I'm still going Andonian. Mm. Two and a half points? points. Two and a half. Two and a half. That means Parker could win by one or two. And the thing is with Andonian, it's like uh, he, he's a hard. He's a tough one with lines because he'll try something crazy at the end of the match to win, and you true. know, uh, which could blow, cover. which could blow it up. But he also could just regular win the match. He looked really good against Sasso. 
Has he lost to anyone else this year? Um, no, he's right two now. and one. He's yeah, he's got a win against Josh yeah. Edmond. That was at that try. Josh Edmond and Conrad Budo. Hey, shout out Conrad Budo. He won the Northern Iowa Open. What's up now? Yeah, yes, he did. He beat Michael Blockus. All right, I'll go for Italy. Italian oh, genetics built different for Italia. Ferrari emoji, smoke emoji, pistols emoji. Uh, I've got Andonian emoji. We have to go so fast. We have to go so fast. It's nine fifty one. Okay, I ride with him. Oh Andoni. my gosh, it's so fast. Certain Camacho, Camacho minus two and a half. Uh, certain, certain covers. Yep. Shoot, are you guys kidding me? Certain's, certain's had a rough go, and Camacho's a beast. Uh, do I pick? Oh, this is so tough. What do yeah. I do here? Be the lone hater of your alma mater and know a certain. Do it. Do it. Hold Tell on, hold Smith. on, hold on. Oh God, what am I? The ejector button, Ben. No, all right. We get launched into outer space. I'm going Camacho. Okay. All right, I'm flipping. I'm going Camacho. Tariq Wilson oh, versus Josh can, Edmund. Tariq Wilson, uh, Josh Edmund. Tariq Wilson to cover Edmund. three and a half point. Edmund. Three and a half points Edmund. line. Edmund covers that. And okay. then the last one. This is not a collegiate duels. This is just a duel on Sunday. Tay Lamont versus um, Mastro. I made Lamont a one and a half point favorite. Mastro. Uh, I think he might. I think he might win it. I think Mas- Mastro's really good. He's shown a lot of improvement. Um, uh, I think Lamont wins, but I think it's only by a point or two. So I'm going with Lamont. Wait, that's not what you said. But it doesn't matter. You can't take it back. That's not what you, you meant. We gotta go. Ejector button. Play the music. We. Oh, sorry to all the Spotify just... listeners. The uh, yesterday's episode. There's technical difficulties. You can watch the video on Apple Podcasts now so there was an issue with that um so it didn't get uploaded on spotify but it is up on spotify yesterday's episode is up on spotify we're working on getting video for spotify too all right see you later bye bye